Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Steelers Draft Talk. I'm your host, Derek Bell. With me is my good buddy, Nick Martin. Just want to give you guys a reminder, you guys can find all of our stuff at youtube.com slash allsteelers. Nick, how we doing, my friend? I'm doing uh, pretty, I was doing pretty well this week overall, especially with the week of football we had until um, Monday Night Football when uh, DeMar Hamlin, unfortunately, ended up suffering a cardiac arrest from a uh, hit. He's currently in critical condition, and we are wishing him the best and hope for his full recovery. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a uh, scary moment there for DeMar, um, you know, especially for, like, myself and, you know, Nick and everybody over here at, you know, the All Steelers team. Obviously, we take football really serious, and, you know, we do a lot of a lot of work in this space, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot, a lot more things that are more important than football, man, like, and uh, definitely want to shout out, you know, DeMar, hopefully, um, you know, his continued recovery goes well. Definitely praying for him. It's a scary thing, you know, especially being a Pittsburgh guy, man. I know this hits home to a lot of you guys, a lot of people in the community. Um, you know, I have never had the chance to meet DeMar, but I, I have, you know, I know a lot of people that have had a lot of really good interactions with him. Everything you hear about the kid is positive, and I'm just I'm definitely praying for um, you know the best outcome possible moving forward. So, um, you know, definitely continue to send your love, continue to send your thoughts out to him and his family who definitely need it during this time. Um, you know, aside from that, um, just from a Steelers NFL draft kind of perspective, I don't know how this weekend could have been much better. Um, for people like us, honestly, um, you know, we got an exceptional slate of college football games. I don't know off the top of my head. It just felt like that was the best college football playoff, you know, semifinals that we've ever had. I mean, those both of those games I felt like were phenomenal to watch. Um, we got a bunch of really good matchups from NFL draft prospects, which is what we wanted to see. And then, you know, Sunday night, we got an awesome classic Steelers Ravens game. Um, to cap it off. So, I mean, it, it was an incredible weekend. I don't know how you felt about it, but, you know, my, my overwhelming thoughts were, you know, dang, that was awesome. Yeah, no, it was a ridiculous week. It honestly started on Wednesday when we were waiting for the podcast and we got the Oregon UNC game, got some crazy games like um, Florida State, Oklahoma, and the overtime affair between Arkansas and Kansas, like, there was just so much craziness that we're not going to fully get into, but it really just, it was an incredible week of football overall. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's definitely been an interesting bowl season. I know thoughts on bowl season can uh, vary from person to person. You know, we've, we talked at length about how the opt-outs and stuff affect a lot of how this stuff kind of plays out over the last month of the season um, during bowl season. But I, I'm still grateful for what we've gotten. I think we've gotten a lot of really good football. I think we've gotten yep. some really good performances for some, for some NFL draft prospects, which we'll get into a little later in the show. Um, wanted to do a little quick in a little quick check in um, on Kenny Pickett. You know, Kenny's coming off of, you know, arguably his best game, what we feel like is his best game as a pro. Um, and then we're going to get into some college football playoff talk. We're going to recap the semifinal games, which are really exciting to watch. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the national title game before we get out of here. But, you know, first with Pickett, you know, um, it didn't look great for the Steelers down 13-3 um, later in that game in the second half. Uh, offense really looked lifeless for the most part. Um, they were running the ball well, but just couldn't really sustain drives and put points on the board. You know, Bob missed a – missed a field goal that he probably should have hit. Um, a lot of stagnation your, in the red zone. 
Yeah, it was your typical Steelers-Ravens game, man. You know, close, one-score game, late. Um, we always talk about, you know, football games coming down to those two, three critical plays. And that was my biggest takeaway. Um, you know, we can get into some of the specific stuff that we thought Pickett did well, but I thought that Pickett made the two to three plays that were necessary to win the game. Um, and when you talk about your quarterback and the guy that you're hoping to lead this franchise into the future, that's a really good thing to see, especially considering the environment, the stakes, you know, Steelers have playoff uh, implications on the line. You're in Baltimore, you know, your biggest rival, a good defense, albeit missing two important pieces in Marcus Peters, Calais Campbell, um, primetime. There were so many elements to that that I thought made that performance even more impressive than what the box score probably looks like on the surface. Agreed. And um, I think one of the biggest things was his flashes in structure more than it was out of structure. We can, of course, I think everyone can acknowledge just how impressive he was rolling to his left and just making the throws that he made, particularly the one to Fryermuth where he like manipulates his arm angle. He's almost not even looking at him and he just flicks it right to him. The ability to, the, the thing that was really appealing with Kenny Pickett was his ability as a playmaker out of structure because of his arm elasticity and just how good he is at manipulating arm angles out of structure. He may not have the most overall like arm strength, but you can see that level of arm talent. And that was what I thought was the, probably the biggest encapsulation of his draft capital of how he was playing. Biggest thing, though, was the throws in structure. He had a really nice timing route to Deontay Johnson along the outside where he threw it with anticipation well before he came out of the break. It was right on the ball, right on his numbers, and just right there. Then there was the seam route to Steven Sims, which I thought was a ridiculous throw. Overall, like he like he comes off the initial seam and then he comes back. There's a they're they're dealing with quarters at that point. And he just rips it right to him. Beautiful arc velocity, right? Perfect placement. I thought it was his best throw of the day overall. The things that you see in structure, you want to see more consistently, obviously, but you love to see that playmaking ability and just the the results are speaking for themselves. We can nitpick the process as much as we want. And, th and that has a lot to do with the consistency of getting the results. But when you're a rookie quarterback and you're winning games like this, we can we can talk about the process as much as we want, but we have to also acknowledge what's what's working for him in these moments while looking to the future for the for the improvements. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that's a good point too. Um there's a lot to still work on and you know, we've harped about some of the things that like he really needs to improve on. Uh, particularly just playing in structure and playing within the structure of the offense. Um, I will say that there are just very rare times where he will actually throw on time that I, that I get really excited about. You mentioned that, um, that throw to Deontay Johnson to the average fan who's not watching his film on a weekly basis or isn't really diving into the intricacies of playing the quarterback position that probably doesn't get talked about at all. But for me, that is the most encouraging thing because yes. um you know we talk i've talked about it at length with joe burrow that is why burrow is so incredible right now and why he's playing on such a heater 
because Burrow throws a better anticipation than anybody in the league, in my opinion. Like, just in terms of getting the ball out on time or early every single rep. I mean, it's incredibly consistent. And that's just – that's not something that Pickett's done over the course of the season. It's not something he did in college. Um, but you're starting to see at least a little bit of flashes there. It's just a matter of getting that – can we get that consistently? Um, you know, and and I think that there's – you know – you know, we'll, that remains to be seen. But to me, the biggest takeaway was just the flashes that he made outside the pocket. Um, I think you and I are pretty much on the same wave, wavelength in terms of like what we saw from him as a prospect. The thing that I love the most about him as a prospect was the accuracy on the run, uh, particularly moving to his right. But he was pretty dang good moving to his left, I thought, at Pitt, too. Um, but just his ability to throw on the run and out of structure was something that I really liked. But at the same time, it scared me a little bit because the pocket navigation and just the helter-skelter kind of jittery movements in the pocket, the tendency to bail early, that was probably the most concerning thing. So I got a little bit of a, a Jekyll and Hyde kind of feeling with that. Like what you saw was good at times, but it also kind of made you worry. My thought process was, you know, he's a good athlete. But he's, you know, the arms talent is probably like average just in terms of like arm strength. But he does have that like ability to kind of manipulate his arm angles, which you like. Yeah. Um, is he going to be able to get away with that in the league? To this point, he had kind of struggled. Like I just looked it up on um, on Sis um, just because I was curious. Up until last week, there were 31 quarterbacks that th- have thrown 25 pass attempts outside the pocket. Um, Pickett was 31st in total EPA. But then you look at that Baltimore game, and he had it going, man. I mean, I mean, there was so many good throws. I mean, the throw to Sims and structure, that's the one that really got me out of my seat. But the throw moving left to Fryermuth, where he's literally covered and Pickett throws him open was impressive. The one yeah. on the final game-winning drive where he was rolling left, gets his shoulder square, hits Fryermuth, you know, throws him low to where he's not going to take a hit, really good. We could nitpick the process on the game-winning touchdown because he slides directly into pressure. into Dan Moore. Dan Moore it's it's so funny. If you go back and watch the video, watch Dan Moore's face when he sees Pickett sliding right into his uh, bubble. He literally gives him the classic like thumbs up, like "Bro, what are we doing? Like, why why are you the way you are?" But he slides past him, you know, on the run, makes a create like a dime of a throw right over um, Roquan Smith. That was a touchdown, whether it be to Najee Harris or Steven Sims, both of them were open. Um, But that playmaking ability, um, we can talk about the process behind it or how he gets there, but he just looks more comfortable right now to me outside the pocket. And, um, you know, I just think it's good for his confidence too. Like, I mean, just seeing as a rookie, you need to see, um, what you can get away with in the league, what works for you, like how you're going to, you know, have success. And him having success like that on a, on that type of stage in a game like that, um, it, it was it was very encouraging to me. Yeah, and you mentioned the process stuff. Um, you talked about the throw um, to Fryermuth, particularly on the last drive. He actually has Deontay Johnson coming wide open on a um, on a 15-yard out route. And – Yep. Turns it down. Deontay is his body language told it all. He was like, why did you not throw that? And then he comes back, he throws it right to Fryer move. It's like, it's like 
you can nitpick the process, but when the result, you know, when the results are so good, you, you, it's, it's, it's hard to get nitpicky, but you want to stay consistent with these, with these things because you want to see these level, these in structure plays become more common because there are still plays that he passes down that he should, that he should be taking in, in lieu of taking the outer structure. It's more so he is, he is inviting chaos and he is, and he thrived in it. And that was the, that was the biggest takeaway. That's the biggest takeaway I have more, more than anything is that you have a quarterback who loves to, loves to create wants wants to make those plays particularly out of structure and you can live with that early on as a rookie and obviously later on you want to see more of that improvement you want to see him take the out route to Deontay Johnson and instead of doing too much to out of out of something where you had some you know we we talk about creating something out of nothing but sometimes you're creating uh, you know, you have something, but then you're creating, yeah, you're unnecessarily, yes, you're unnecessarily creating despite you having that play within the structure of the offense. Yeah. More, more important, like, you know, that, that part, it should come with time, but we always want to note this because it's important to keep, keep in mind because you want to be optimistic about your rookie quarterback. You want to, you want to see the levels improvement, but you want to stay grounded in what you're in, what you're seeing. And you want to see the process come together. When you see the flashes though, at times it gives you hope. And that's the biggest, that's the big, that's, that's the massive takeaway. And, and that's the thing too. It is tough because like to stay grounded in a game like that, where you win, it's really emotional. He plays excellent. Um, the process of things is always something I try to keep in mind when when thinking about this, because as I've mentioned before, like it's a really freaking difficult thing to make a living out of structure. It just is. That's why you see a lot of these chaos quarterbacks come into the league and they can do a lot of the great things out of structure, but they can't play on time. And ultimately, like it stunts their development um, with Pickett. It was very obvious to me that he was more comfortable outside the pocket in college and that's kind of been the case like recently too but he's making it work and like that's the thing that you can't like when it works you have to give credit to him and I also think like if you're looking you know and maybe that's a little more of the pessimistic take of like hey let's not get too high because next week you know those throws could go a different way outside the pocket and then we're wondering you know we're criticizing the process behind it and all that stuff yeah I also want to point out that if you really want to be an optimist about this I think the easiest way to do so is when you look at these guys on like the, from the web, from a weaponry standpoint, and you look at the plays that he is turning down that 15 yard out to Deontay. Um, I think he missed George Pickens on a, on a corner route for a touchdown early in the red zone that he yeah. brought out the pocket and then tried to throw like a back shoulder to Najee. Um, you look at those things and you say, Hey man, we're leaving some plays on the field in the pocket if we can get make some of those easier plays in the pocket and he can create when nothing's actually there, the weapons are good on this team. Like where can this thing go next year when you hopefully we're assuming upgraded offensive coordinator, maybe somebody who plays to his strengths a little bit better, who can, um, you know, help develop him, you know, a little bit more in structure. 
I think that that gives you, you know, a, a lot more hope that he can get to his ceiling quicker than maybe we were thinking about, you know, six, seven weeks ago where we were thinking, you know, maybe this thing could be a little rough for, you know, longer than we hoped. So, you know, that that's kind of the optimist viewpoint of it. But, uh, you know, overall, I do did want to do a check-in, just kind of give our thoughts to you guys. I know I get a ton of picket-related questions, like in my DMs or on Twitter, and I'm happy to answer those. I just, it's, it's nice to get it all out so everybody can kind of hear it at one time without us kind of having to repeat ourselves. So, um, but yeah, heck of a game, good, good stuff for him. Um, for sure. But now I want to get on to kind of some recap from the college football games. Two incredible um, college football playoff games. Uh, what was the biggest takeaway from you um, in terms of when you were watching those games on New Year's? CJ Stroud. It, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't close. <laughs> it was, balling, man. It was, it was what, what's so impressive about that performance was you saw it, him making plays by climbing. And, you know, I talked about fight or flight. He wasn't just fight. He wasn't just fighting. He was flighting. He was. He took the right options more often than not. And you saw him be able to avoid a sack, be able to climb up into the pocket, make a play out of structure, th- throw a beautiful touch pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. in the corner, of the end zone for a touchdown. You know, and there was the play where he avoided Jalen Carter, sidestepped him. Like th- those are the big things you wanted to see, and him being able to make plays with his legs. He had that really huge run that got them into field goal range in a crucial part of the game. Those that's what you wanted to see because a lot of the sentiment coming into this game was that CJ Stroud was a, was almost a facilitator of this offense. He was a point and shoot quarterback. And Maybe. I think it was hard it was hard to say that because you saw those plays that occasionally they were very rare in terms of like the, you know, big runs with him. You know, you saw the Northwestern game where he had that huge run around the edge. You didn't know if he was going to be able to do that against like these types of athletes in Georgia, but just seeing that you, you start to feel better about his projection at the NFL level because it's there from a mental perspective. He has the manipulation down in terms of his eyes and body. He knows how he knows how to attack the middle of the field. He throws with good timing anticipation. There's a lot of great things with CJ Stroud. We just wanted to see that playmaking ability with him, the ability to thrive under pressure, because I'll be real, his pressure stats were horrible this year. And in 2021, it wasn't quite this way. He was a little better under under pressure than he was because I I kind of accredited this to his offensive line because his offensive line, Paris Johnson moved back to tackle. They got they got better overall on the offensive line. And I thought it gave him more incentive to have worse habits because you mm-hmm. saw him almost backing up in the pocket, like fading away on throws. What I've what I noticed in the game um against Georgia was he was making moves in the pocket before the pressure was even close to getting there. Like he had a nice play where he sidesteps, um, sides goes to his right pressures eventually comes in from the left. And then he throws it to Julian Fleming, like to, to his left. And he was able to make that happen because he saw the pressure before it even happened. And I think that's a big thing to take away more than anything. Like we can talk about all those 
all these quarterbacks because most of them in this class, they all have a game against Georgia. Granted, some of them might not have the, they might not have the supporting cast that CJ Stroud have, but yeah. you, when you have it as a benchmark game, you can, and compare it to your peers and you look at the process and the results, uh, there's a, there's a great argument for CJ Stroud to be the quarterback one in this class. And yeah, but and honestly, like going off the 2021 stuff under pressure and what he showed to Georgia, that's that's you know, that was encouraging to see. I'm gonna Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of the same thoughts, man. Um Stroud, there's so much to like in terms of like when he's playing on time, like the touch the touch is what stands out to me. The touch over the middle of the field, down the field. Um, he will test tight windows. The ball location almost always seems like on time, right where he wants it to be. Um, and it's weird because he is a pretty good athlete, but he just doesn't want to use his athleticism. And like he has looked reluctant to do so uh, for the majority of this season. Um, you know, the Northwestern game, I'm not even convinced he would have ran as much as or had that big run in that game if it wasn't like. 50 mile an hour winds or whatever it was that day. I think that's the only reason he uses legs that day. So my thing for him is um, when I watched that game, I knew he was a good, like a good enough athlete. So I'm like, okay, he's using his legs, but he looked comfortable doing so. Exactly. You know, just because you're a good athlete doesn't mean you're going to be comfortable in that type of environment. And Stroud looked really comfortable. And that's against, make no mistake about it. That's the best defense in the country, man. They're the best coached. They, you know, obviously they got five stars everywhere, but they are they are so well coached, man. You watch that team play on a week to week basis. Watch every every time a ball carrier gets tackled against Georgia. Watch how many freaking Georgia helmets are by that ball carrier. That's how you know a defense is really well coached. And I thought that that was that was really the biggest takeaway for me. Just his comfortability outside the pocket, working out a structure. You know, um, that throw to Harrison that you mentioned. Um, I don't think that that the uh, you know Georgia defensive backs were ready to plaster those receivers like that because they probably didn't expect him to break the pocket and have to use his legs, which we we kind of did know that was going to be the case because Georgia's pass rush was going to they were going to get home more than any other team has gotten home against Ohio State. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like he made a difference um, with his legs, and I, I thought that was incredibly encouraging. Just some other like kind of takeaways I had from the game. Um, I thought Paris Johnson was a little shaky. Um, I want to go back and watch the film. I always try to refrain from making like too definitive of takes on offensive line play during the game because I always talk about this on Twitter. But, you know, if an offensive lineman gives up the sack, everybody says he had a bad game. And the the results of the process of that, you know, I, I just think that there's a lot more context that needs to be added there. You know, when you're looking at 50 snaps and you only notice the one play where he gave up a sack, that's not real evaluation. So I want to go back and watch, but I did notice a couple of hurries. The sack he gave up to the true freshman. That's a heck of a move by that kid. He set that spin move up great. Um, but I did I did have some questions because I know he gave up a sack um, in the conference championship game too. So that's back-to-back weeks where he went the entire season without one. So that's something I want to look at. Um, you know, there was there was definitely some um that 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 matchup that we talked about last week in the episode between Harrison and Keely Ringo that definitely went Harrison's way. Um, not specifically just against Ringo, but 
Georgia had no answer for him. I mean, it is very, very obvious to me that Harrison's going to be the first receiver drafted in next year's class. I think if he was eligible in this year's class, he'd be the first receiver drafted. Um, I don't even I don't even know that it's going to be close uh, next year for that for that contention for that wide receiver one spot. But, you know, those were things good and bad that um, kind of stood out to me on on both uh, on both plays. I did see Jalen Carter with a couple of nice wins off the line of scrimmage. Didn't really result in, um, you know, sacks. Stroud ended up avoiding him on that one play. But, um, you know, those were kind of my key takeaways. You got anything else on the Georgia Ohio State game? Um, I have one more thing I want to add on CJ Stroud real quick mm-hmm. because this was something I keep in mind. Um, Brian Day, the coach of Ohio State, something I noticed um, going back to Justin Fields' days at Ohio State, remember how he was not really the runner that he was that he's yep. in the NFL right Didn't now? Didn't use his legs nearly as much as like, it, we thought it, he should. Yes, and I think maybe, he, maybe that has to do with the coaching. Maybe that has to do sure. more with what he – what Stroud is being asked to do and they try to keep him more confined into the pocket. That's just one theory I have overall, mm-hmm. but one last thing, Keely Ringo, I thought he was rough. I didn't think it was just against Marvin Harrison jr. I thought he was struggling against Dubuca and Fleming overall. He struggled to carry Fleming horizontal on those, cro- on those deep crossings. And I thought overall Ringo was just, he, he had a really nice um, fumble early on Marvin Harrison Jr. where he uh, where he shows some really good effort from behind, ends up punching the ball out, almost looked like Charles Tillman a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, you know you like seeing that from Ringo with that effort, but you want to see more consistency with him in coverage. And honestly, I don't think this game did a lot for his draft stock overall, especially in what is looking like a deep corner class overall yeah that's what we talked about last week with that catch 22 right um these college football playoff games considering like we're not getting guys that are opting out um it's great and it can be a great thing because you're getting to put a you know a game together a resume potential boosting game like Stroud did you put that benchmark game where you play your best game against the best competition and you get all the praise from, you know, draft analysts and scouts and all that stuff. And then there's a the flip side of that. You know, if you don't show up and you play you play poorly, you're going to get penalized for that. So, um, you know, I do want to, you know, preface that by saying if it's just, you know, we need to keep context in terms of it's just one game. But when it is one game in a magnitude like this, it does carry more weight than, you know, when George is playing Missouri. I mean, it, it does. Especially- it, will, it will for NFL evaluators. Um, but it is just one game. Another guy, um, let's go ahead and move to the um, Michigan TCU game. That game was crazy. I think – I don't know that I've ever watched a game where there was, I think, five touchdowns scored in like a four-minute span at the end of that third quarter, early fourth quarter. Um, I know he didn't play great. I thought J.J. McCarthy made some really nice plays down the field. Um, a little shaky at times. Um maybe decision-making or just some odd kind of place from him. But I uh, thought he made some nice plays down the field. Just some other guys that stood out to me. Um, DJ Turner from Michigan. Um, he was a guy that I looked at a little bit in the summer. Um, that kid can absolutely fly. I thought that the DBs in this game were kind of noticeable. Hodges Tomlinson had a couple pass breakups for TCU. Ended up with a couple um, passing or finish 
pass interference penalties. The size showed up a little bit, I thought, against some of those bigger Michigan receivers. Like, I don't even know if he gave up a catch, but just down the field, um, you know, he's always going to be at a disadvantage because he's only 5'8". And then, um, you know, his partner on the other side, Josh Newton, I haven't seen too, too much draft buzz surrounding him. I know he's a senior. He's a transfer from – I'm going to say the school wrong. I think it's like Louisiana Monroe, but this is his first year um, at TCU, I believe. But that kid, they didn't, they weren't throwing at him at all. And I'm really interested to go back and look at the film. You know, a lot of their coverage breakdown stuff seemed to happen in the middle of the field. But, um, you know, the, the only other big, big takeaway I had was Quentin Johnson. I, th- I thought that he made a lot of timely plays. Um, that, that drag route to me is – quintessential what makes him different from your typical like height weight speed vertical threats his ability to work as a ball carrier make defenders miss you know he kind of set that guy up with a little hesitation runs through that arm tackle and then he's gone they clocked him at I think over 21 miles per hour on on the GPS on that particular play 21 miles per hour at 215 pounds is moving like moving moving um this is not a 170 pound slot receiver that we're talking about this dude's 6'4 215 um as a ball carrier that that was that was definitely notable to me um i really like johnson's game so um you know curious on what you thought kind of um as your big big takeaways from that one so overall um big takeaway i had was I can I can be as bi- I can be as big of a criticizer as I want about the process and but Max Duggan he's got he's just got that grit he's got he's got it, that that's, grit that's so well said it's cliche but it's so it's so on on cue with with Duggan it is just, just such just such timely runs with him some balls in the air that you you don't you didn't think it was the most optimal placement, but he just got, you know, he puts it in a position where his, where his guy can, can at least make a play on the ball. And, you know, you admire that about, about a quarterback like him. And I think it's going to be fun uh, watching him and Stetson Bennett, who are both just, they were, they were considered afterthoughts at their respective schools. I mean, Duggan only got his chance because of, because of injury and look where he is now. It's crazy that we're talking about a dude that was in the like he was a Heisman finalist who didn't win the job <laughs> this year. I mean, he was literally only thrust in due to injury. Um, yeah, you know, regardless of what you think of Duggan as a prospect, I just think that you have to admire the perseverance there. Um, you know, the dude. I think it says a lot about his character. You know, not just you know throwing in the towel and saying you know I'm gonna go somewhere else. I'm, you know, this isn't working out for me here. Whatever. You know, he kind of gets back up off the mat and leads TCU on. Honestly, an improbable, you know, championship run here. I mean, they're in the championship game. TCU, I don't even think was ranked to start the season. Nope. Um, you know, a, a first year head coach everybody kind of just thought of them as an afterthought kind of just like Duggan's been an afterthought, like you said, throughout his career. So um, yeah, props to him. Um, he, he, he definitely a little chaos to his game too, but uh, props to him for sure. Another guy that uh, we talked about a little bit before um, we jumped on was D winners. Yes. Not a guy that I had my, uh, you know, I going into the games, we talked about a number of players last week um, during the episode, I had like a notes page of like 15 guys. I felt like in both games where I was like really trying to keep an eye out for 
he wasn't on it, but he's on it now because he was balling. He was balling, balling. Man was man was shooting gaps so consistently. It just felt like he had a he just had a really good day of film study, just or just great weeks of film study, just figuring out Michigan's tendencies, and you could just tell that like he was he was just he was he just had a knack for for making plays in the backfield, and you saw some of that speed explosiveness. Not the most like amazingly built guy, but you like you really like seeing like that ability to just you know, that film study, that play recognition overall, you don't, you don't like to see guys hesitate. And mm-hmm. that's, that's something he wasn't doing. He was, he was mostly in his position. He was, you know, he's constantly making plays really stood out really was probably the biggest standout for TCU overall. Honestly, their defense in the first half, they had me. I was like, man, th- th- this defense, like, like, Maybe I undersold them a little bit, and then all of a sudden, there's just a massive scoring outbreak out of no- out of nowhere, and there's just coverage breakdowns everywhere. It was so unexpected. Like, just from a fan perspective, watching that game, it was just absolutely ridiculous. It was just absolutely like bonkers in terms. Of- <laughs> That's just how I would I would describe it. I'm honestly really looking forward to how they end up matching up against Georgia because. You know, we talked about the interior offensive line of TCU oh, and how and how they were able to run and how how would they handle Michigan's front? And they handled it. You know, they they got they got plenty of yards on the ground. They protect they protected Duggan pretty well, gave him mm-hmm. time. And they're going to be going up against probably the best front in all football in Georgia in Georgia and Jalen Carter, you know. He, we talk about Steve Avila, the center. You know how is he going to respond to those guys? Overall, that's probably the that's probably the biggest takeaway. And like, is Kendra Miller going to play? Because yeah. Kendra Miller, he went out. He, he was really efficient with his touches, and you and you saw him making plays out of like nothing. Like there was a play where he should have been tackled in the backfield. He ends up getting like a five yard gain out of it because he's able to consistently churn out yards after contact through contact. I talk about this a lot, but yards through contact is more important than after contact, because if you're able to keep those legs moving and be able to drive forward, fall forward and get those extra yards, you know, that's so huge. And the thing with Kendry Miller, he offers so much from a receiving game perspective and just can string moves together extremely well, explosive runner, whether he plays or not, that's going to be a huge thing to watch. For, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. That was definitely the thing that I'm looking forward to most in like the title game, just seeing, you know, how healthy he is, how, like how much he's even able to go if at all. Um, we'll have to see on that. Just one more thing, just in terms of, you know, that particular matchup TCU and Michigan. Um, we're already like well into draft season, obviously over here um, at all Steelers, but there's going to be a couple scouting reports that I'm going to drop um, next week. And they're actually on a couple of players that were in that game. I already kind of watched and put some thoughts together on Quentin Johnson and Mozzie Smith. Um, so d- definitely check out that um, if you guys are interested in, you know, some scouting stuff for both of those players. I think Smith in, in particular is going to be a player that, you know, Steeler fans are going to want to keep an eye on through the draft process. Um, just in terms of, you know, the, the title game though, with TCU moving on to play Georgia, 
you know, we talked about Keely Ringo um, had a big opportunity, you know, last week against Marvin Harrison. Um, you know, it didn't seem like off the live viewing that that went, you know, his way, but he's going to get another chance against Quentin Johnson this week. So that to me, um, you know, again, it's not how you start. Sometimes it's how you finish. I mean, he's, he's got an opportunity here to have a, you know, a benchmark type game. And when you look at Johnston's game as a vertical field stretcher, some of the things he does on that vertical plane, that matches up kind of with what Ringo does well. I mean, yes. Ringo is not a guy that you're going to be consistently over the top. Uh, the only guy that I've really seen, like, really run by him. Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams. <laughs> and, uh. I mean, again, Keely Ringo, he's got elite speed at that position, but uh, James Williams got like generational type speed, uh, in my opinion, at his position. So, um, you know, that that's going to be a particular matchup to watch. Um, I'm trying to think of what are what are some other things you're watching in terms of like draft prospect prospect matchups? You got anything for this one? Um, overall, um, I'm honestly just more looking forward to um, to see how Georgia's. Uh, offensive line can handle TCU as well because yeah. um, Kenny McIntosh had a pretty overall good day running ball against Ohio State overall. I love, and, I love me some Kenny Mack, man. I'm not going to lie. He's he's one of my favorite backs in this class. I've been I've been talking him up all season long. I think that that dude, that I love the way that dude catches the ball. He got some of the softest hands, I feel like, in this class. So smooth. He's going to go probably, I would guess, he might sneak into the top 100, but like if, if he goes around that value, some team is going to get a steal because yeah. I, I feel like he is an RB2, work him into a committee, can, you know, take on a lot of the load on the pass catching downs. Um, I, I really like, I like that dude a lot. Yeah. I mean, overall, like uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing two, two quarterbacks who were not thought of very highly for their, for, at the time. It sets in Bennett last year, Max Duggan this year. Um, there, one last thing I want to mention, Sonny Dykes, Air Raid. I, Mike Leach, may he rest in peace. His impact on the game of football is way bigger than his win-loss record will ever indicate because of how much of a great person he was and how he innovated college football forever with the Air, with the Air Raid system. And, Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely echo that. You know, Leach is always a guy that I've had a ton of respect for, and it, it's been awesome to see, um, you know, the tribute, you know, that the Georgia team did with like the decal and the helmet. Um, if I saw that correctly, I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, I'm interested to see um, kind of how this matchup plays out. You know, TCU. Um, I'm interested to see if they can score enough points. I mean, I, I think that their offense, you know, depending on Miller you know, getting healthy, I think that they can compete here. My thought process the whole season long has been Georgia is just this unstoppable wagon, you know, aside from, you know, headed into this weekend, aside from that hiccup that they had against Missouri, where they kind of came out, in my opinion, asleep at the wheel. Um, they just looked unstoppable all season long. And I'm interested to see if, you know, TCU can at least make it close. I don't know what the line is. I think Georgia ultimately, you know, wins it and they go back to back but um i'm just hopeful for a good game more than anything else but um i think that's pretty much all for us yeah. for this week um 
a lot of good conversation. Uh, just so, as a reminder, you guys can find us at youtube.com slash all Steelers or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we do got the audio links up. So if you guys are you know podcast listeners that don't want to get on YouTube and listen to the pod, y'all can do that. Um, y'all can hit us up with, on Twitter, hit us up in the comments. If there's players that you want to hear us talk about, um, you know, your, give your thoughts on anything we, we talked about, you know, let us know. As this draft season kind of moves on, we're going to get into more like team specific stuff, more position specific stuff. Um, so if you want our thoughts on, you know, certain players, be sure to drop those in the comments and we'll try to get to them um, on the next episode. But once again, appreciate everybody's support. You like the video, um, drop a like, share this, share the stuff for us. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, we will be back again next week. Can't wait to um, talk some more ball with y'all. Y'all have a good weekend. Peace. Peace.